Good morning, family. It's my pleasure to uh, invite Mel, Pastor Mel Radley to come join me on stage. Uh, she'll be sharing the word with us this morning. Uh, Mel is a, a colleague and a friend, and I bless you. Can we pray for you? Father God, we want to pray for Mel, Lord. We pray that you be with her. We pray that you would quicken her words and her thoughts, Lord. I pray that she would share that which she's prepared for us this morning well. We pray for open hearts for every single person that hears us in this room or over the air. In Jesus' precious name, everybody said amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. It's so lovely to be here today. And I am super excited about my message. I really feel like it's something the Lord has um, been doing in my heart and in my life quite recently. Um, so we've been speaking a lot about praying, and that is all about us talking to God. But today we're going to do something a little different. We are going to look at how does God speak to us? So I was 15 years old when I first encountered the concept that God speaks today. And it came through my dad. My dad was 44 years old and he had just become a single parent of me, his teenage daughter, and my four-year-old brother. And we were at a crossroads in our family and my dad spent some time in prayer, praying for us as a family. And he felt that God told him, to build a house, a, a literal house, um, and he did that. He went ahead, he drew up the plans, and he built us a house. And it was actually an incredible turning point for us as a young family, and it was a real new chapter in our lives. But when he told me this, I remember thinking, this is crazy. <laughs> Not actually the house building part, but the fact that my dad thought that God had spoken to him. So I had in my mind this picture, you know your children's Bibles that you get, and, and there were these, you know, the prophets in the long robes. So God spoke to them, sure, no problem. But God did not speak to ordinary people living in the here and now. God did not talk to my dad, and God did not talk to me. And perhaps there's some of you here today or maybe listening online who think the same thing, that it's crazy to hear the voice of God. So we're faced here with two really important questions, and Christians don't always agree about the answers to these questions. Does God still speak to us today, or was the Bible his final word to us? And number two, if he does still speak to us, how can I, how can little old me, how can I hear him? I think there's lots of evidence to suggest that God does still speak today. There are many Christian leaders who changed the course of history, and they were actually set on their course by a word that they felt that God had spoken to them. St. Augustine Francis of Assisi, William Wilberforce, Florence Nightingale, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, okay, Amy Carmichael, so many Christians who stand in our stream of faith changed history because of a word that God spoke to them. In John 10, 27, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they are follow me. We listen 
He knows we follow. So what Jesus is saying here is that actually one of the marks of being a Christian is that we are able to recognize the voice of God. This is because we were made for relationship with this God of ours. He wants to be known by us. If you think of the images that are used in the scriptures to describe our relationship to God, think of a a father and a son or a a parent and a child. Um, Psalm 103 says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Or perhaps um, Jesus' relationship to the church is compared to a husband and a wife. Can you imagine just one of those relationships where only one person did the talking? And husbands, you can't say that's true in your relationship, okay? (laughs) But imagine how dysfunctional that would be if only one person did the talking. And if you think about it like that, if you think that we were designed to have a personal relationship with God, then actually it's, it's actually abnormal not to hear God's voice. Exodus 33 verse 11 says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. It was a friendship conversation. Or maybe Adam and Eve who walked with God in the cool of the day, walking and talking with the Lord. We were made for relationship with him. John Ortberg says, why should God's end of the line be equipped with a receiver, but with no mouthpiece. So so in this series we've been doing, we've been working through different aspects of the Lord's Prayer to guide us in how to pray to the Lord. And there's one of the lines that says, give us today our daily bread. And we know that daily bread here refers to provision for our everyday needs. But then Jesus says something quite interesting. In Matthew 4, he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This means that we need something more than just physical food for our survival. It's not enough. We need spiritual nourishment. And I think that some of that comes from hearing the voice of the Lord. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So how can we recognize God's voice? Or maybe just put a little differently, what does God sound like? I'd like to read a passage of scripture. It's an amazing passage about the first time that young Samuel learned to hear God's voice. 1 Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. It reads, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answers, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called, Samuel. 
And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not, net, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, dot, dot, dot. For more information, go check out that scripture. <laughs> so there are some great principles that we can draw out from this passage about hearing God's voice. Firstly, it is so encouraging to me that even though Samuel didn't recognize God's first voice at first, or second, or third time, God kept on speaking. So Samuel was not disqualified because he missed it. This means that there is space for us to learn how to hear God's voice. It means that God is patient and that he's persistent. He wants to be heard by us, so he will keep on speaking until we can hear. And then it's so interesting that Samuel mistook God's voice for Eli. He thought that when God spoke, it was Eli. This means that God did not speak in a booming, otherworldly voice to Samuel. He sounded pretty normal. Okay, and, and, and maybe it shouldn't be a surprise to us because God did create the normal world that we live in. But perhaps sometimes we miss God, not because He's so strange, but perhaps because he's so familiar. And then notice Samuel's posture once he had realized that it was God speaking to him. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's a posture of attentiveness. It's a posture of wanting to engage with the Lord, being present with him, wanting to hear his master's voice. And then lastly, there's a little song. Do you remember that Beatles song? We get by with a little help from our friends. Remember that one? You're all Christians, so you say no. <laughs> but Eli played a really pivotal role in helping Samuel to discern the voice of the Lord. And it, it is super helpful to have a Christian that's been on the road with God a little longer than you have come alongside you and teach you, show you how to hear God's voice. My dad was this person for me at the time when I started to believe that maybe God could speak. He bought me a new little notebook. He taught me to sit, to wait on God, to listen for the still, small voice. I remember at first I heard nothing, just radio silence. And then after a while, I just heard the words, I love you. And I heard that 
every day for a very long time and I thought it was just me. But eventually, I love you became another sentence too and another sentence too until eventually I felt like I could have a conversation with God. If I had to compare it to something, I feel like it's a bit like learning to ride a bicycle. When I learned to ride a bicycle, my dad held the saddle for me, you know? So you go along while he's holding the saddle and then let go and then grab it again just so you've got it. So, so sometimes you need someone to hold the saddle till you learn to balance. Sometimes you fall off a little bit. Sometimes you go straight into a pole, right? But it's okay. Once you've got the muscle memory, it's pretty hard to unlearn how to ride a bike. And I think it's a bit similar to hearing God's voice. So how does God speak to us? What are some of the ways that God speaks to us? If you think of the scriptures, the scripture is full of different genres, different types of literature. There's romance, there's poetry, there's prophecy, there's apocalyptic writing, there's history, there's law, there's letters. God communicates his message of love to us in so many different ways. And I think it's it's quite similar to the way that he speaks to us. He uses different ways to speak to us. I'm going to read through a couple of ways, but this is by no means an exhaustive list. And in the book of Numbers, God even spoke through a donkey. So he can use anything to speak to us if he needs to speak to us. But here are perhaps some of the most common ways that God can speak to us. Firstly and primarily, God speaks to us through the Bible. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful. But we're not just reading the scriptures for education, we're also reading the scriptures for revelation. We're wanting to hear what is God saying to us through his word. God can speak to us through dreams and visions, perhaps you have experienced that. He speaks to us through personal reflection and through spontaneous thoughts. He speaks to us through the wise counsel of friends and and sometimes just through good old plain common sense. He speaks to us through the creativity of others, music, movies, art. He speaks to us through the still small voice. He speaks to us through nature. But rather than rattle through a long list like this, sometimes it's better to See how God speaks to us. To see how it's illustrated through story is sometimes more helpful than a long list. So at this point, I'd like to invite up onto stage Jan. I know this guy pretty well. (laughs) We've been married for 22 years in December. (laughs) And we're actually, we're kind of different. You know what they say, opposites attract. Um, And we hear the Lord differently. So I've asked Jan up today just to share uh, about a time that he heard God's voice, and perhaps you would find some resonance in your own experience. Good morning, everybody. I suppose uh, to add to Mel's list, one of the primary ways, or maybe the primary way that most men hear God's voice, like what they should and shouldn't be doing is through their wives, you know? If I have to uh, look at my life, (laughs) it's just a joke, just a a very little joke. If I have to kind of plot my life and I can point to the places where I've experienced God speaking to me and where there's been a change, and I'm so thankful thinking back of that, 
And I want to tell the one, one of those incidences or stories. Um, some years ago, uh, Mel and I, we've been pastors at Hatfield at that stage for a couple of years. And we got an opportunity to go and assist in a church plant in the rural Eastern Cape. And I also always wanted to live on a farm. We were very excited and we submitted this to our leadership here at the church. And they listened graciously and they uh, agreed to bless us and to release us. And the church put us on a six-month church planting school and we were going. So I put our house on the market and the house sold and everything was set. And in that last couple of last little bit of time before we went, uh, we got the news that the sale of our house had fallen through, uh, as the, the purchaser couldn't secure a bond. And this came as a huge shock, you know, because we had no kind of backup, and uh, yeah, we were we were dumbstruck, and we were second guessing ourselves, Mel and I. We thought, what did we did we hear the Lord wrong, or did we? Uh, did we kind of somehow disqualify ourselves? Did we do something wrong? Did we give the devil a foothold somewhere to derail God's plan for our lives? And I went into a real panic because I'd gone and cut off our stream of income. I've got a bond to service. I've got a family to look after. I've got a wife. We had a little toddler. Mel was pregnant with our second child. I was in a tailspin, you know. And um, I remember I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I, it was terrible. We, I felt my whole life like contracting into this hard knot of, of stress and um, like anxiety. And in that time, uh, it was a terrible time. Um, I remember one morning I had a quiet time. And in that quiet time, I felt the Lord speaking to me, you know. But... I would kind of expect kind of a bit of a word of encouragement, but it wasn't that. It was more like a, a bit of a rebuke, actually. And what I felt the Lord say was something in the following line that he said to me, Jan, you want to go plant a church. You want to have faith for a community and for an area, but you don't even have faith for your own family. You know, Pull yourself together. So <laughs> you double take up a little bit, you know, and uh, as I was processing this, this uh, thing that I thought that I heard, I thought of, of David, the story of David, and um, how there's this repeated phrase in the Bible that whenever David was under stress or under threat for his life, you know, or in big danger, uh, he would inquire of the Lord. This repeated phrase, and David inquired of the Lord. So I thought to myself, well... I'm under stress and I'm under threat. So if I had to inquire of the Lord, what would that look like? So I thought about that. I prayed about it a bit and I felt to do three things. The first one was to fast for three days, which for me, it's like huge, you know. And uh, the second thing was that I'd get up five o'clock in the mornings and seek the Lord. And the third thing was to work through the book of Hebrews because it's got all these stories of the big heroes of faith, you know. So nothing gigantic, just something small to do every day. And I uh, settled into that rhythm. And after a couple of weeks, uh, the situation didn't change, our circumstances didn't change, but I changed. The panic subsided, you know. And Mel and I relaxed, and the fear left. And we kind of settled into our life, continued with our pastoral duties, 
did our thing. And then one day, uh, it was a weekend, it was a Sunday in fact, it was a Sunday afternoon and we had somebody visiting us the afternoon, we were sitting in our lounge having tea and talking and we saw someone out there at the, at the fence and I went out to investigate and it was the guy who previously tried to, to buy the house from us and he, he said to me that he loved our house and he really, really wanted to buy it, he just can't get the bond now. So he offered um, me to give me like a refundable, a non-refundable deposit for the, um, for the house and then to rent it from us until he could secure a bond. So there suddenly all our problems just disappeared, you know, it's like suddenly I had money to, for the move, to settle our debts, to build a house on the farm, we could go, our things were fine here, and it was just incredible, you know, and that changed my life, you know, I'm so glad that God speaks to us, I'm so glad that I could hear his voice, that he gave me the grace to hear and gave me the grace to respond, and yeah, I'll never be the same. Thank you. As for me, when it comes to hearing God's voice, I like to have four things. My Bible, my journal, my pen, and a cup of tea. Those things are kind of essential. So I like to start in the scriptures. It's a way of just warming up my heart, making myself receptive to hear God's voice. And I like to read the scriptures meditatively. So that, in other words, to take it really slow and try and chew and extract every bit of spiritual nourishment I can from the scriptures. Meditative Bible reading is a way of, of reading your Bible where you're trying to discern what God is saying to you through the scriptures. It's actually a very ancient practice and there are, there are different steps or methods that you can use, but I use one really just simple method. It's four words. Read, think, pray, live. Read, think, pray, live. Not eat, pray, love, okay? So what does that mean? Um, when you read the scriptures, to read them slowly and to read them ponderingly. And we're going to do an example of this in a short while. Number two, think. I'm going to start to bring my thoughts, to bring my mind to bear on the scriptures, to allow the scriptures, in fact, to be brought to bear on my mind. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. What stands out to me as I'm reading? What am I learning about God, myself, about other people? So I start bringing in my thoughts. Next thing, I want to open my heart and say, God, won't you speak to me through what I'm reading in these scriptures right now? And then the last one is live. How do we live this out? How do I live out what I feel God is saying to me? So once again, let's not just hear about it. Let's do it. I'm going to take the, the, probably the most um, well-known line in all of Scripture, the first line of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. How do we apply a meditative Bible reading to this little verse? How do I do step one, read? How do I read it slowly and ponderingly? Well, first thing you're going to do, and can you do it with me? Take a deep breath. Feel how it calms you down. Feel how it just slows things. And then you're going to welcome the Lord into the space. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's chew this slowly, 
word by word, the, not a Lord, not just any Lord, the Lord. Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords, Adonai, is, not was, not yesterday, not will be one day, but right now, he is my Mel Radley, insert your, pers- your name there, your personal shepherd. What does a shepherd mean? I get the idea of someone who's strong, someone who's protective, someone who places a protective hand on me, someone who keeps the wolves away, someone who keeps me from the edge of the cliff, someone who's got my back. Think, okay, what stands out to me? What do I learn about myself and others through this? What I learn is that God actually is my shepherd. Because you know what, so often, I feel like I'm my own shepherd. I'm forging my own path, I'm making my own way, and it's exhausting. (laughs) It's exhausting to be your own shepherd. And then you start to pray, Lord, what are you saying to me through the scripture? What do you want me to hear? And maybe you hear that God says that he wants you to allow him to shepherd you. Maybe he says you have nothing to fear. Maybe he says, I am with you. Maybe he says, I've got your your back. Put your trust in me. And lastly, how will we live this out? If this is what God has said to me, how will I be different as a result? First thing I feel is I just want to exhale. Like, thank goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've got my back. Thank you that I don't have to be my own shepherd. Thank you that I, in a deep, deep place, I can be at rest because you've got this. Read, think, pray, live. I want to encourage you to try this. Try this at home. This is safe to do at home. Okay. <laughs> All right, the next question is, how do we know that it's God speaking to us? It's helpful, if you think about it, that there's basically only three voices that we can hear. God's, the devil's, or our own. How do we tell the difference between these different voices? When God speaks to us, it produces faith in our hearts. Faith in the goodness and the greatness of God. Something that I have come to experience is that God is so often just much kinder than I would expect. His voice is so kind, and scriptures do say that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I think Jesus also gets to the heart of the matter, just like he did in his conversations with people in his earthly ministry. He gets to the heart of the matter. The voice of Satan produces unbelief and often fear too. It's a disqualifying voice. It's the voice that goes, you don't have what it takes, you're not enough, but mostly God is not enough. God doesn't have what it takes. God's gonna drop you. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And then the voice of self is often just those well-worn paths, our, our default settings. Sometimes we hear from God in line with our own desires, like we hear what we wanna hear, and that's why we need good checks and balances in place. But often our own voice is self-protective. It's those defense mechanisms that kick in and that try and protect us from any kind of discomfort. But 
in order for us to grow, we have to step out of our comfort zones. I was here when we sang the song, and the Lord lead us upon the waters, you know. So God does often lead us out of our comfort zones because it's in those spaces that we grow. Hearing from God is an art, not a science, because it's based in relationship. Many people have done some really crazy things, I think you'll agree with me, sometimes some really cruel things, supposedly being led by the Lord. Some people, some people do horrible things and they say, the devil made me do it. Some people do horrible things and they say, God made me do it. So it's important to have checks and balances in place so that we can really discern whether God is speaking to us. So I'd like to introduce you to a very simple ABC litmus test of how can we tell whether it's God speaking to us. Just the ABCs. The A is for advice. Get advice from other sane, wise Christians. I can't tell you how many times we have been saved from making terrible decisions because of the wise counsel of friends, especially our prayer group who, um, who protected us from making some really silly decisions. So advice. B is for the Bible. Is what you're hearing from God aligned with what you see in Scripture? Is it aligned with the person of Jesus that you see revealed in the Scriptures? If it's not, you need to go again, listen again. It's probably not God. And number C, common sense. Perhaps this is, a, is one of the most unrecognized, and sadly, sometimes it's a bit of an unutilized gift that God has given us. Does this pass the test of common sense? If it doesn't, I would check through A and B again. So, little litmus test, the ABCs. Next, the next question is, how do we get better at hearing God? And there are two things that I'd like to just draw to your attention. Number one, we need to slow down. We live such fast-paced lives, and God created six days work, one day rest. That means that in order to go fast, you need to be able to go slow. So we need to carve out spaces where we can go slow and be with God. Be still and know that I am God. That still, it means quiet, but it also means slowing down to the point of being stationary, being still, so that we can hear his whisper. And then we need to just soften up. The busyness of life can harden our hearts to the voice of the Lord. Perhaps the best example of someone who lived this out, who took time to slow down and to open himself up to the voice of God in the Bible was probably Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went into a solitary place where he prayed. He was away so long the disciples couldn't find him. When they eventually got to him, they said, everyone has been looking for you. And he said to them, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. It seems like in his time alone with God, God with God, <laughs> he, he got direction from the Lord. It was time to move on to other villages. God's voice doesn't cloister us away from reality. It actually propels us out onto an adventure of following him 
being the light and the love that we need to be in those spaces. This was true for the very resilient Irish missionary called Amy Carmichael. She grew up talking and listening to the voice of God, and his voice led her to India, where she devoted her life to rescuing children from temple prostitution. And it was his voice that gave her the resilience to stand up to the very powerful temple priests, to build two children's homes, to establish a hospital. The voice of God also spoke to a man named Patricius. Patricius was a 16-year-old boy who was kidnapped by marauding Irish warriors from his hometown in Roman England in 405 AD. He was sold as a slave to an Irish chieftain and he was sent out to shepherd this chieftain's flocks. And as he was out there in the elements battling the cold and hunger and loneliness, he decided to turn his back on the God, the Christian God that his parents had taught him about. But then as he became lonelier, he began to long back for home and involuntarily he started to pray. And as he prayed, he experienced such strength in God that he had never known before. One night when he was sleeping, he was awoken by a voice that told him to get up and make his way to the coast. The voice said, you're going home. So he made the 320 kilometer journey to the sea. When he got to the sea, he found a ship heading for England. He climbed aboard the ship and he went home. But when he was home, he found that he no longer fitted in with his people. And the voice came to speak to him again. The voice said, you're gonna go back to Ireland, but this time as a missionary, not as a slave. He went back with a new name, with the name Patrick. And when he was there, he faced huge opposition from the pagan priests who were still doing human sacrifices to appease the gods. And his parishioners, they used to um, wear belts with the skulls of their enemy dangling from their belts. So it was a very (laughs) barbaric and bloodthirsty society. He changed that culture right around. He built monasteries and his monks were involved with translating and copying as many books as they could. The new converts that came in, they taught them the scriptures, but they also taught them Latin, painting, and music. Eventually, over time, these warriors traded in their barbaric, bloodthirsty lifestyle for a lifestyle of farming and of learning. Charles Colson writes, within Patrick's lifetime, warriors cast aside their swords of battle, inter-tribal warfare ceased, decreased markedly, and the slave trade ended. A culture of battle and brute power was transformed by an ethic that sanctified manual labor and service. A culture of illiteracy and ignorance became a culture of learning. And it all started because Patrick heard and responded to the voice of God. God's voice propels us out onto our front lines. It propels us into spaces where we need to be salt and light. He calls us to bring his creativity, his passion, his beauty, his integrity, his servanthood, his justice 
into the spaces where it's needed. He gives us guidance and encouragement for our families. He gives us creative ideas and strategy for our workplaces. He tells us that he loves us, and he reminds us that he is with us, that he is our shepherd. This morning, may your hearts be encouraged to lean in and to listen to the God of the universe who wants to speak to you. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Thank you. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she eloquent? Well done, Mel. Thank you, Mel. Um, Jan, I would call you beautiful as well, but you'll probably clubber me if I do. Thank you for your contribution. So real, so honest. Thank you so much um, for that. Um, Mel has spoken in such a real way about us hearing from the voice, uh, hearing from God and enticed us to really want to hear from the Lord and just the comfort that you have brought us this morning, um, the realness, just the fact that his voice is near because he's near to us. Thank you so much. Mel used an example of a bicycle and um, she spoke about hitting yourself slap bang into a tree. You know, some of us here have tried to hear the voice of the Lord and we've hit into a tree and we've hurt ourselves badly. We've got it wrong somehow and we thought it was him and we heard wrong and we made mistakes as we were learning to ride our bicycle. Some of us, as Mel said, wobbled a little bit on our bicycle and thought, okay, well, that's too hard for us and we didn't pick our bicycle up again. And yet others of us didn't even know that we could ride a bicycle or have never even tried to ride the bicycle and to hear the voice of the Lord. And so I would like to invite you for prayer. The uh, pastors will be here, the um, prayer team will be here. And I would like to ask you if you have been hurt um, and made a mistake and you've just thought, I'm not going there again. You've almost made a vow to yourself you know what, I'm going to do this thing my way. I'm not going to risk it again because last time I hit myself in the tree. That's not God's voice. <laughs> God's saying, come, I do speak. If you have been hurt and trying to hear the voice of the Lord and made a big mistake along the way, come, let's pray for you. Let's pray for a healing and a redemption. If you've wobbled and just given up and just thought, oh, I'll just rely on common sense alone, come to you. And if you're simply just eager like, you know what, I've, I've never, really, never really been one for hearing God's voice, but man, am I eager because it was quoted earlier in the service, his thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. I want to listen to them. I don't want to listen to my own thoughts. So if you would like to come for prayer for any one of those things, you can just tell the person up front here, I hit a tree or, um, you know, I've never got onto the bicycle, whatever, come. And if you have any other prayer needs, be they physical needs or just any other prayer needs, in the words of Mel, get a little help from your friend, come and say to them, I need a friend to pray this thing through with me. And you're so welcome to the front. 
the service is officially closed, but please come. There will be those at the front to pray for you. If you're new and you'd like to visit at the Connect Lounge, I'd love to meet you. And if you want to pick up a little star just to remind you, you're so welcome to do that. Bless you, Hatfield. Have a beautiful, beautiful week. And thank you for all the rich contribution of many in the service today.